Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, welcome to CarCast. We've got a great show. We're welcoming back our good friend, Alan Peltier from HRE Wheels. Before we get started, here's Geico. Would you love to save money on insurance? Well, of course, who doesn't love a good deal? Well, when it comes to great rates on insurance for everything, Geico can help. Insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, RV, even homeowners, condo, and renters coverage. Save even more with a special discount when you bundle coverages. Plus, Add the easy-to-use Geico mobile app and 24-hour roadside assistance, and the switch to Geico becomes a no-brainer. Switch today and see how you can save. Simply go to geico.com to get a rate quote or contact your local agent. Hello, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndre, here with Bill Goldberg. See ya. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, it was an interesting weekend. Uh, Adam Kroll and I took a little trip up to Monterey. He did some Trans Am racing. I'll, I'll save all the the details, uh, the juicy bits for uh, for my show with with Adam uh, this week. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was good. It was fun. Monterey was great. Uh, Adam was racing in TA1, which is the big boy class, you know, 850, 900 horsepower, you know, tube frame, chassis, Camaro. Um, and, uh, you know, Tram, Trans Am race. They all should be in Trans Am. Yeah, I know, right? They kind of should be. Right? Yeah, yeah. Although. <laughs> Uh, uh, you would think so, but I, I'm pretty sure the car was named after the race and not the race after the car. <laughs> I know that, but I'm just kidding. You know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like these cars are, are incredible to do when you get into the vintage racing stuff. Now, you, you know, like when you did the the NASCAR truck up the hill climb, right? And, you know, eh, had a little bit of a snafu on that on that adventure. <laughs> one, one of the years. One of the I years. Been on the other uh, you know, getting into the car and just seeing the amount of of technology that they're using and just what's available to you on the digital dash, and it's got a sequential transmission. So you use the clutch to get the car moving, but once it's moving, you don't use the clutch and you don't even need to lift the gas. You just bang the gears. And in a five-speed, you know, the one thing Adam came back with was, he goes, you know, when I was driving that car, you get down to first gear at three different spots at Laguna Seca, and it's a five-speed. He goes, I you have to drive that entire track with one hand on the wheel because you're just up, shift, down, shift, bam, 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 you know, just the whole time. You're just shifting the whole time. And uh, I was like, yeah. And I said, and I saw you like out on the straightaway doing, I don't know, 150, 152 mile an hour on, on the straightaway. Like it's it's a big boy class, and these were some big boy cars. Um, uh, you know, and if you guys have saw on on my social media that uh, Adam got a little sideways and hit the wall with the back oh, end of the car. Me. Even Adam can do it. Yeah. So uh, to clarify, so what happened was it was it was raining in the morning, um, and the previous day. So during practice, Adam did fine during. You know, in qualifying, about halfway through, got loose, hit the wall with the back of the car. And I posted the pictures online, right? First, I, I let it sit for a couple hours. And, you know, Adam being Adam going, you know, I'm going to have to post this, right? He's like, yeah, go ahead, do it. <laughs> and <laughs> I go, all right. Because I'm going to have to post it, and you're going to have to talk about it. Just like, I let him simmer down for a little while. He knows he's out of the car, so, you know, maybe have a beer <laughs> at this point. <laughs> and uh, I go, all right, I'm going to have to post it. And he's like, all right. Because um, just being very, very truthful about the whole thing. So one of the comments. What's that? Did he proof it? No, I. he just, you know, he saw the car. He knew what happened. He's like, just do it. Just put it out there. Just do it. You know, he was he was good about it. He just, he was more embarrassed that it happened and not the post. You know, he's like, that's what happened. We're telling stories. We're creating content. So he just wanted a better outcome. So that part I get. He didn't really care about the post. He just was bummed that this is what we had to post, right? Because everyone's asking questions. But the question we got on social media a lot was, 
why weren't you running wets? Why weren't you running the wet tires? It's because it wasn't raining when he went out there and the track was mostly dry. This is where you get into this danger zone. Turn three had just this weeping of water, this dribble of water going across the track, probably about four or five feet long, right? And the length and the width of the track. And everyone coming out of turn three at high speed, getting on the brakes, turning the wheel, they're getting into that water. And you don't think to think to drive on the wet tires because the track's not wet. Just this five-foot area is wet. So Adam hit that. It got a little squirrely, and that's not what put him off is because he went in the turn three, got a little squirrely, went wide, and just off the track, right, just off the the rumble strip off of turn three, it's just like a lake, right? So a lot of times you can – you can put a tire off, you know, and hit the dirt and you're fine. Every other time you can do that and it's fine. And Adam's like, I could just put a tire off just to, to stabilize this car, you know, just over the rumble strip. And it's just a lake. I mean, he hit it and we got camera footage and water, water just goes flying over like the windshield of the car. Like it was a like it felt like he he dropped off three feet into a lake. Obviously, it was four inches or something, but at that speed and that big puddle of water. And he hit that. And when the car corrected and got back onto the track, that's where it gripped. And it shot him off to, to, to the exact other side of the track. So he's coming in through turn three, right? The driver's side of the car puts a tire in the lake and it darts him off to the other side of the track to the driver's side. He spins and the ass end of the car hits the wall. And, uh, I'm only laughing because I've been there. Yeah. Right. And (laughs) you know, it's, it's, it's fucked up. And by the way, that same corner ate like three other cars, like one of the, one of the really high end, like GTP uh, Audis from, from the day, that guy went off. A couple of guys went off. Like everybody who was racing was getting fucking squirrely in that corner. Everyone's like, why is this wet? Like, I think they had a uh, overnight before the actual race. This was, I guess this was Friday during the qualifying. And then Friday night, the, the track people brought like a tractor or something out there and dug out like a hole and filled it with dirt so the water wouldn't seep onto the track. So Saturday, everyone was running fine. There was it was dried up and it wasn't seeping through onto the track. But uh, yeah, it's an unfortunate end. I, he hit that wall pretty hard. the The, the two frame chassis being kind of triangulated was very stable, and then and that holds the rear end, and then just aft of the rear end, there's sort of square tubing to finish out the body mounts. It holds the battery. It holds oil coolers and the fans. It holds the fuel cell, the bladder. Um, and that whole section was bent over, just like like skewed over a good three or four inches. But it, so the pictures that I posted, and it looks like the back of that car is fucked up. The body works smashed. And that that square tubing in the back is definitely cracked and bent. But you know what? Those guys are like, hey, the fuel cell did exactly what it did. The bladder's fine. They took it out. It was brand new. Their concern was it took them five months to get that one because everything's on back order. And they're like, it's fine. It it did what it's supposed to do. It it bent a little bit. Like it, you know, disformed. It's a squishy kind of bubbly, you know, sack, if you will. So that was fine. Smash the battery. The oil coolers are fine. The fans were fine on on the oil coolers. The structural damage. Yeah. So they said, I was like, oh my god, this this car is fucked up. They're like, no, no, no. These four points where this where all this tubular metal attaches to the tube frame chassis is like, we'll take it to the shop. We'll cut it off. We're gonna weld the new one on. We throw some new parts in there. It's like it costs us five grand. 
<laughs> and I was like, okay. I was like, I'm looking at the thing going, oh, shit, this is $60,000 worth of damage. They're like, no, everything's good. It's like, unfortunately, we can't use the car. They're like, we don't have the pieces. We don't have the welder. We don't have the, the stuff. He goes, if they would have had it, they would have fixed it at the track. Those guys were pulling <laughs> engines and stuff. They were thrashing on the car. But, and uh, if you put it in perspective, that's only two HRA weeks. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe one and a half. Depends. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe one and a half. Uh, you know, so it it was just uh, an end to a, a pretty fun weekend, but um, but you know, it was good racing. That Trans Am race is is great to see. If you guys get a chance to go out there and 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 see one of these in person, um, you know, especially at a place like Laguna Seca, it's it's a great it's a great venue. Man, the the weather. The weather was fantastic. A little bit of rain when it cooled off, like early in the morning or late at night, but otherwise just great, you know. And we we took a little drive, you know, to seventeen mile drive, and and you know, Sunny was with us, and uh, you know, got together with the team and had dinner, and got together with you know Willie T. Ribs was in town, and you know, had dinner with him, and he's such a He's such a trip. The the movie that you guys have seen, Uppity, about him. First of all, he's so great. He's been capitalizing on that. He's been getting his name out there. He's like, as soon as he's there, he's like, guys, thanks again for that film. And he goes, I've been busier. I haven't been busier since I was racing. He goes, this has been so great. He's like the uh, uh, the diversity ambassador. Uh, Alan's going to come on in one second. He's like, I'm, I just got hired to be diversity ambassador for F1. And I think he's starting like a, a CBS sports commentary gig, um, you know, and it, it's, just, yeah, it's going to be great. So, you know, and he's a Texan and, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a good old boy and he's there with his boots and his cowboy hat and, you know, and his, his son is like a, a champion skeet shooter. And that's why he wasn't there this weekend. He's in like the world champions or something right now. And, um, and he's great. So it was, it was great to catch up with all of those guys. We'll have some more stories about it later, uh, uh, this week, but, um, uh, we got Alan Peltier. He's, he's ready. Let's bring, let's bring Alan in. Alan's from, uh, Alan's from HRE wheels. How you doing? Alan? Cool. Uh, How are you doing well? I got Patrick standing right here next to me too. Oh, I will bring Patrick in too. There he is. Hey, there he is. What, what's going on at HRE that everyone's hair is growing out? Is this more still pandemic hair going on? I don't know. I, I think we're embracing our old age. <laughs> <laughs> All the gray. What happened to me then? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, I, we've got some interesting things to go over because uh, HRE has been. Um, uh, you guys have been doing some pretty innovative stuff. But uh, we go back for quite some time. I mean, in the early days of of CarCast, we you came into the studio a few times. We had some great conversations about wheel manufacturing and reciprocating weight, and uh, uh, like, we, like yeah, we got we got into some really nerdy conversations, which are always great because I think people love those. And this um, is the other podcast where we are not having those nerdy. <laughs> well, we, well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, we, we kind of are a little bit because there's a few things that have that have come up. Uh, I, I forgot what it was. It was, it was a little while ago. I I don't know. In the past year, you guys released, um, I don't know, it's just sort of a concept or an exercise, but this 3D printed wheel, very yeah. kind of crazy looking, very, I don't know, like alien Geiger kind of thing going on. Uh, uh, very, yeah. very cool. What, what was that about? Was just so, that just that an exercise? A, that, collaboration, that was a collaboration we did with GE additive. So the GE, you know, GE General Electric, right? Um, and uh, their 3D uh, printing, which you call additive manufacturing. Basically their research department. Uh, we got together and we said, you know, let's make a 3D printed wheel, um, but let's, let's do it out of titanium. And there was some, Obviously, titanium is not an easy material to work with normally, and with wheels, it's, it's kind of ridiculous in a lot of ways. And uh, <clears throat> but we thought, you know, let's go ahead and see what we could do. And for us, it was a lot of 
trying to understand the design space and the design constraints around 3D printing and stuff because you think, oh, I can print anything. Well, that's not really the case. What happens is your your constraints change, but it does really allow you to have a lot of freedom. Obviously, this is sort of a design exercise, but if you can see closely, these spokes are sort of passing through each other. See how that they're doing that? Yeah. Like that, we can't machine that, right? We can't machine that. I mean, it would take a crazy five axis and do a bunch of stuff. And so there's a lot of things that we were trying to do and see what we could do from a design perspective. Now, what people don't realize is titanium actually has a higher density than aluminum. So it's heavier, but it's strong as steel. So, you know, it's really, really important to hollow all of this out to get the right proportions visually, but also to make sure you don't have any extra mass just hanging out because any extra mass that's just hanging out is a massive weight penalty with titanium, whereas in aluminum, you can have a little bit of extra, especially down in the hub region, which doesn't affect the rotational inertia as much. Yeah. <laughs> and that and that doesn't hurt you so much, but with titanium, it really does. And so if you're going to make something out of titanium for a wheel, really you want to be looking at additive manufacturing because that's going to allow you to actually get the benefits. Now, the, the, the problem is this is a six-figure set of wheels, right? Mm-hmm. And, so, uh, um, and even when we were working with GE, the machines weren't, quite didn't have the build envelope and some things. And so there are some constraints. And so we still have our 3d plus program going on the R and D side. Um, we're just looking at some different options and potentially some different materials. Um, but for us, it's about understanding what you can do with additive and staying on top of the different technologies so that when the machines and the, and the and technology is there, which is getting really close um, then we're ready to launch something, right? Because we're already up to speed in terms of the engineering side and the manufacturing side and what's really required to do it. So this this crazy-looking design that you guys created for this wheel is is really twofold. One is if you're going to 3D print, you, you want to create a design that clearly could not be done under right. the conventional f- ways, right? CNC machining right. or even cast, right? You're like, it's, it has to be insane looking to prove the point, to be like, this is, you know, 3D printing isn't just like yes. a means to an end, like creating a faster wheel, like production-wise. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be able to to do things that you wouldn't be able to do. And then right. also in this particular case, you're talking about reducing as much weight or unused yeah. material. Like you don't need the material there, so get rid of it, right? Exactly. And then what's interesting too for us is if you look at this, this is still a fairly geometric shape. Um, you'll see a lot of 3D printed stuff where it's very organic and they're using the generative design and things like that to create these very organic thing uh, designs. But the problem is for wheels, you end up with something that kind of looks like what we call a root ball. You know, it looks like a, a tree grew this thing or a plant or something. And and that's cool from an engineering perspective, but from a design perspective, it doesn't fit any of the cars, right? You know, Goldberg, you're not going to put that on your car, right? <laughs> it's too organic looking for a really geometric industrial looking, especially the design of cars right now. They're very sort of uh, industrial looking and tough and they're mean looking, right? And you don't want to have this soft root ball running around underneath it. And so, so for us, taking a lot of that technology, but then also putting our own design sense into it to make sure that we're getting stuff that still looks appropriate, but like on it, unlike anything you've ever seen. You know, you talk about 3D printing and stuff being sort of the result of products having sort of a very functional, organic look to it. Uh, a great example, and you guys, I'm sure, seeing this being as wheel manufacturers, but the the latest designs from like the Brembo brake calipers, yeah. right? Brembo does this very kind of cool, organic, and I know they smooth it out and they get a good glossy, you know, uh, uh, you know, powder coat on it. But it really has now a very kind of organic, asymmetrical design to it. And yeah. you ask them why, and they're like. 
because we we have material where we need it. We don't have material where we don't need it. And it has a little bit of an aerodynamic feature to it. Like there's some really think, cool things going it's on. Actually, there. And actually, there's a technology and additive called generative design where you're actually, instead of taking a mass and then optimizing it down, you're basically starting with your endpoint and start point, And you're letting the computer kind of fill it in with whatever it thinks it needs. And that's where you get that organic sort of look. And that's where you get this asymmetry and a lot of things. And actually, with wheels, that's a real problem. You can't have that asymmetry because of balance and things like that. Um, but that's where you get that really organic look. And it, on a brake caliper, it, honestly, it looks cool. That, that caliper is yeah. really cool, right? And if cars had more of those design features in them, then we would want to put those organic generative design styling elements into our wheels as well. But we don't want to have a really organic wheel and then the rest of the car is not right. So it has to always, we have to be conscious of that. I remember flipping through the magazines. We'd always see like, I don't know if it's like a discount tire or a tire rack ad and they got the wheel shaped like a bear. You know, you know, like I don't know if it's just the hubcap or it's just like a wheel of a bear. And I was like, why is it in the ad? Like, why, why is that the one they're promoting? The bear? I don't. I've never seen one of those on a, on a car once. I was like, who created the bear? That's the perfect example. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah, right. right? You should definitely, definitely not. Um, I want to ask you about the titanium as to why you guys decided to work with GE on a titanium wheel. Is the heat required? to 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 print because you're you're using like droplets is the the heat yeah. higher for titanium that's really it's, it's actually a really onerous process because melting titanium is takes a laser or electron beam in the case of the way we did it um and so the process and also uh, titanium and aluminum actually um powder there, it starts with the powder bed and so very fine powder and the thing about titanium and aluminum is they love oxygen and so those powder beds are are extremely extremely flammable. So you have to you have to work with them in a vacuum. And so it becomes a, a pretty onerous process. You're using lasers in a vacuum on a basically big powder bed bomb, right? So it's, like, <laughs> it's quite a process. And so if we could make wheels out of stainless steel, we could. Um, the problem is the, 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 the mass is really, really heavy with stainless. Stainless is not just high, it's, it's even heavier than just normal yeah. steel. Yeah. And so, so, you know, stainless steel is really inert. You can kind of, you don't really have that issue. Um, but for us, because we need the specific strength, that strength to weight ratio, we need to work with either a light alloy like aluminum or titanium and the reality is a lot of those challenges end up being similar uh, in terms of the machine. And so for us, well, hell, if we're going to do it, might as well do it in titanium, right? <laughs> it's just as hard to do it in aluminum, might as well do it in titanium. <laughs> right, but people are going to go over there and see you making these things. They're like, I don't know, HRE has a meth lab in the back. It's like it's about to explode. And they're like, no, no, no they're just making wheels. Yeah. So the the 3D printed wheels that you guys hope to come to market with at some point, you're saying they would be titanium or does it make sense to do an aluminum 3D we're, printed? I think we're going to have, uh, so our 3D plus program, just like our carbon program, they're sort of, it's not a singular thing, right? So uh, to us, 3D plus is our, our brand name for our uh, additive program. And that's what that means it's an additive program and we will have different elements of it, different technologies that we use to get the additive features we want and different materials. I think the holy grail is titanium. You know, you take a titanium center like we did with GE and you put it in a carbon barrel. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. <laughs> that will be a six figure set of wheels probably. Yeah. It, 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 at least until the technology gets down to normal. But, uh, uh, you know, it. 3D printing a titanium wheel is extremely, extremely expensive. So going to carbon fiber, we're, yeah. we're starting to see cars be delivered with carbon fiber wheels. I think most of what we've seen are single-piece carbon fiber wheels. Yeah. Um, I know you guys, we've had this discussion even years ago about carbon fiber and where to use it or how to use it. And there was a discussion of a carbon fiber barrel with aluminum 
machine spokes in the center and the hub, right? So now you can bolt it to the car, torque it down, not worrying about, uh, you know, is it torqued down right or, you know, within reason, right? You're not crushing any of the carbon fiber. And to your point about the weight is you want the least amount of weight at the outside of the wheel, right? Like if you could do a lightweight tire, that's where you want it. Saving all the weight in the center at the hub doesn't do nearly as much as outside. So if you're, you know, if you're swinging something around in your hand, you know, like something on the end of a string, you know, the string in the palm of your hand doesn't make a difference, but the weight at the end of that string, 12 inches out makes the difference, right? right? So you could do a carbon fiber spoke and an aluminum barrel. You can do a, a carbon barrel with an aluminum spoke, or you could do all carbon fiber. What, yeah. what are you guys thinking? I think so. I mean, I think all of it's good, <laughs> honestly. Um, I think, it, you know, 10 years ago, whenever we were originally doing some of this stuff, uh, some of the constraints around some of the materials available for carbon fiber really weren't that great. So the temperature resistance wasn't that great. Um, the impact resistance of the resin, they weren't very, they, we're using a toughened resin now. So we're much, we have much higher impact resistance. And so, um, you know, I'll be honest. Yeah, you're right. All those performance benefits of the barrel are fantastic, right? Because you get that light lightning out around the outside. But the challenges are also more severe because unlike uh, aluminum, aluminum <clears throat> design is driven by fatigue. Basically, you design a wheel and you go run around on the track and you go run it on the street, whatever. You don't want it to crack over time, right? And you're basically running it and running and running. It's not like, oh, I made it so light that I drove out of the driveway and it cracked. That doesn't, that's not how it works. It, it's, it's fatigue. It happens over a long period of time. And racetracks and things like that can accelerate that. Carbon fiber if done properly, is very, very fatigue resistant. It kind of, it will laugh at any of the fatigue tests we do for aluminum. It's really not going to show any degradation. Um, and so the, the constraints for carbon fiber are, are are completely different. We have, some are similar, but the, the main drivers end up being different. And and primarily for the barrel, that is impact. It's what you think. You're like, man, a carbon fiber barrel, you know, what happens if I hit a pothole, Right. And a lot of people think, oh, it's going to blow apart or it's going to do this or that. Um, that's not going to happen. If it, well, at least not with ours. It, it, you know, it, it, if you hit a big enough pothole, obviously it's going to it's going to crush the carbon, right? It's not going to blow apart. It's not going to do anything that a normal uh, aluminum wheel wouldn't have done. You would have bent the aluminum wheel so much that you're probably going to be losing air as well. And so, um, but with modern resin systems and stuff, that impact resistance is significantly higher than it was, say, 10 years ago. And so seeing the OEs doing this and stuff has definitely given, gave us the confidence that, okay, now's the time to really revisit this and go back and, and create that. There, the advantage to starting with an aluminum center, which is what we're doing, we have a carbon barrel center, is, yeah, the flexibility and the lack of issues putting that on the car, right? The car is not going to know it's, it, it's going to think it's got a normal wheel on it. There are different challenges when you go to mount that carbon against uh, the hub. Uh, not to say that HRE won't have a carbon carbon two-piece or a carbon one-piece wheel in the future. For us, carbon is our carbon barrel is the beginning of our carbon program, and we expect to see that evolve uh, over time, for sure. And how how do you put a multi-piece, or rather multi-material wheel together? Because carbon fiber, I mean, I guess a little like fiberglass or something, isn't really like threadable. So you'd have to, I don't know, sandwich it. You know, like it's not like you're going to just tap carbon fiber and put a bolt through it. No, no. It, we, we have, yeah, we have through holes. And so we're using... Uh, on the on the center that we on the wheel we will launch with it's 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 a fastener that comes passes through the carbon fiber you do have to machine the holes uh very carefully obviously go through the carbon but you're going to basically be mounting it to uh, aluminum threading into aluminum you do have to worry about you mentioned crushing it earlier you do have to worry about spreading those forces out enough uh, to make sure you don't have damage to the carbon and things like that, but those are all things you have to take into you have to take into account the different materials, right? You're going to have corrosion potentially uh, with issues, uh, galvanic corrosion issues. So all of that kind of thing has to be taken into account. The heat I mentioned before, we have a very uh, uh, resistant resin, 
Um, and so there's, there's, it's just, well, a lot of these things have gotten easier. Uh, clear coats are, are better. You don't have that yellowing, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. And everything turned yellow. <laughs> so there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things, you know, that, right. So you can see it's a voltage connection. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, there's just a lot of things with just materials technology that have gotten better. And, and, um, so the things that we dealt with in the, in the, in the old days, we just, are, are not things we don't have to deal with. It's just things that we're able to manage much better. Speaking of the old days, did you ever think back in the old days that you'd be doing a truck wheel now? <laughs> um, actually, no, I didn't. Actually, when I first, I've been at H3 for over 20 years, and uh, we did some, we did like stuff that we would put on trucks, right? But but actually making something specifically for trucks. No, we never did think that. And I, I think over the years, what we've come to realize is, you know what? All these guys that have all these other cars, they've, all, they've got these really, they've got these $100,000 trucks too. <laughs> they were asking us, do you guys have truck wheels? And we didn't. So having a, yeah, our new flow form uh, FD1, and we want to expand that, obviously. So What's the average weight on do, that? We want to do some more forged in truck too. So, yeah. Oh, the, 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 uh, the market is out there 100%, especially with me living out in Texas now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. What's, the, what's the average weight on those truck wheels? Uh, they're in low 30s, I think. They're, they're load rated really high. Um, so for us, they're very heavy. I think for a truck wheel, they're not. <laughs> so. Yeah, so that's a good question. Are, are, are the, do the truck wheels come in 15 20% heavier than than your performance wheels? I mean, in a forged wheel, they're going to come in kind of where an SUV wheel would be, which is definitely in the low 30s. In the, in, in the cast flow form, um, the material, you have to compensate for the, the cast material. So they're going to be, they're going to be significantly heavier, probably another 20% heavier. Or something. When, you're, yeah, when, you're making, when you're making truck wheels, do you try to make them way less than what most of the factory wheels are, or yeah, that's pretty easy, I think. Yeah, okay. Um, but for us, uh, still making sure that they are really robust is obviously the main driver. And so, it's one thing to make it so you can drive around in your truck. It's another. Your truck has a gross vehicle weight that's extremely high, mm-hmm. and so really, that's what we're designing around. We're not designing around the curb weight, right? It's not like a Tesla. Tesla, pretty much, you know, it's so heavy as a it's curb weight that the GBWR is not that much higher. Right? Yeah. Well, in, for a truck, that's completely different. You have the curb weight maybe actually less than a Tesla, but the GBWR maybe double or even more. And so you have to load rate the wheel for that and assume that they're going to be towing their trailer or their boat and all kinds of other things behind it. Right? So, yeah. so here, here's a thought that, um, so I, we went down uh, a month or two ago. We had a little conversation um, uh, about wheels, and I had mentioned uh, we've got a Ford Lightning on order, right? And, and it's not really particularly about the Lightning because that's you know a truck. Maybe maybe it matters. Maybe it doesn't matter. But the, you guys have focused on strength, lightweight, and a great design. But now that EVs are coming out, aerodynamics are going to start to play a big part in wheel design, right? Because changing the wheel on an EV does right. could if, have a, a pretty significant change to its range. Now, for a lot of the people that are rolling around in a Tesla or something kind of cool and they got some HREs on it, they're a little less concerned about whatever it did to, to the range. But it it is something to think about. Like, is have you given thought to an HRE line of performance EV wheels, and will aerodynamics play a part in that thought process? Absolutely. And no, he has. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much for the Ford Lightning, uh, because the form drag on a form Lightning is is pretty big already. Uh, obviously, they smoothed it out quite a bit. Um, but for 
cars in particular, not only uh, are they aerodynamic in terms of their actual aerodynamics, they're stylistically aerodynamic. And so it makes a lot of sense, not just from a practical or functional perspective, but also from a styling perspective to start working in aerodynamic aspects to the designs. Um, and we have ideas around how to do that, um, that we are pursuing. We're, we've got a lot of things to do, unfortunately. So sometimes a lot of these things don't happen as fast as we want them to. But, we, uh, we, <laughs> and this is the collective, we would love for HRE to design a cool EV wheel. That's not ugly as fuck because every, <laughs> that ain't hard. I could do that. <laughs> every EV car that I've seen that has like an efficient wheel. Like I get the point of the wheel, but it's just horrendous. Like look yeah. at what like Lucid's wheel, even the lightning wheel, like, and, and by the way, Lucid's like, Hey, if you want to go real far, get this ugly as fuck wheel. But if you want a little <laughs> less range, here's a pretty big, a little bit nicer wheel. You I, know? Just, I just dropped my kids off at school and behind a Lucid, but that Lucid had HREs on it. So it looked pretty good. <laughs> right. Cause that's the first, cause the guy just dropped like $150,000 on the car and everyone is looking at it going, well, the wheels suck. And he's like, great. I'm just going to go ahead and cut 20 miles of range off my Lucid. But as long as it looks good, I'd be all for that. But, yeah, you know, I, you know, um, making things that aren't like this uh, is, is a general design constraint that we try to have in our, <laughs> in our process. Yeah. Like, the reality is OEs don't have that. They don't have the freedom of that. There's, they're given a certain like, hey, you need to accomplish this and this and this. And they've got so much to do with the car or the truck or whatever that the wheels are kind of an afterthought. And, and, and so a lot of times you'll see them. We were talking to, I can't, I won't say it. It was one of the OEs. It was one of the hypercars, or supercars, rather. We were talking about the wheel. We're like, look at your wheel, look at our wheel. They're the same style. Like, they look the general number of spokes and the stuff. And the guy's like, yeah. You know, and he designed that wheel. And, and he was looking at it. And it was like, it looks like you guys just didn't finish it. Like, you, you got, mm-hmm. like, 80% of the way there. And then you, you met your engineering requirements. And then you moved on. Because yeah. it's uh, just frumpy and not, and he's like, that's exactly what we did. He goes, you don't understand. <laughs> like, we don't have time to sit and do what you have. I mean, our whole focus is the wheel, right? So we can just iterate and iterate and iterate and iterate until we're all happy. Um, if we just cut what we first drew on the computer, um, there would be a lot of really awful HRE wheels running around out there. And we're really picky and I'm not shy to, they don't let me design the wheels anymore because I'm, my design sense is way too boring for these days, but uh, I'm still very uh, opinionated uh, when the guys show me something. And so we spent a lot of time just tweaking proportions and, and, and doing all of that to make sure the balance and, and, and the style really pops while also meeting all of the engineering requirements. So yeah, an aerodynamic wheel that doesn't suck. Yeah, that's exactly how we do it. <laughs> HR Wheel is a performance wheel brand. So the the idea of approaching wheels for EVs with that same mentality, a performance mentality, doing something that, you know, probably not many people can do. So is, is perform something, create something that's aerodynamic and lighter weight. Both yeah. of those things would actually increase the performance of your EV. And we do a lot of work with some of the local EVs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, they use us for uh, a lot of their R and D, and so a lot of their high performance versions and things like that run around on HREs until they actually get the factory uh, wheels. And uh, it is, we do get feedback that that lighter weight is very beneficial, but they're not able to put that kind of money into the production wheels, right? And so um, for us, the challenge is different with EVs because I mentioned before the curb weight, the curb weight is so high on, on an EV. And, and, and that's one thing for a Tesla, but when you start going to a, a Lightning, now you have, now it's, it's crazy, right? I mean, the Hummer is going to be 10,000 pounds. Yeah. It's, it's like what and so that's a whole new set of constraints and so you have to i mean not a, it's just an elevated right but we're we're good at that that's what we know how to do we know how to say hey it, it's supposed to if it's obviously needs that weight it needs it probably is okay for it to look a little bit more massive 
but how do you still make it not suck? Well, you just put a lot of design refinement into it. And so that it's not just this soft turbine mess thing. And it's like, oh, that's cool that it's aerodynamic, but it doesn't inspire you in any way. It, you know, it's just kind of neither here nor there. Yeah. I'm going to get all gooey and say that uh, in this day and age of uh, businesses at the top of their game, it's hard to find one that's so grounded. And uh, when I lived out in California, very close to you guys, and all the times I was able to come to the shop slash factory, um, it was a very comfortable situation and a laid back atmosphere. Yet you guys are at the top of your game and you're extremely creative. And I just want to thank you. I, I will also do it for Matt, but throughout the years, you've provided us not only with the coolest wheels, but with greatest opportunities to see behind the scenes and what you guys really do and what you're great at. So I want to thank you personally for being a part of uh, this car culture and, and personally mine uh, and uh, adorning my awesome cars with some killer HRE <laughs> wheels. But, but you guys are really, I, I take my hat and my hairpiece off to you at this point. <laughs> well, You've done a terrific job and you, you're well-grounded at the same time. Yeah, so I, think, I, I think on that too, you know, you, I, we always talk about, hey, you know, it's one thing to make great wheels and all that stuff, but we're trying to create a great company. So you can't create a great company with a, with a horrible culture. And, and I want this place to be fun and, 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 and great for everyone that works here. And that means you have to really live that, right? And so the integrity and all the things that really may, are super, super important to HRE are not necessarily shared with the, other, the others in our industry. And it's kind of a shame. And so in some ways we kind of stand out like that. And it makes us, it makes us really proud. And when people come down, you know, you can sense that when, uh, uh, you come through the building and you talk to the teams. I will say we're things have changed in the last couple of years. Uh, with I mean, COVID was crazy and everything, but it was really difficult for us to keep up with business. And so I think we went from we probably had nine CNC machines when you were here. I think we have twenty now, and wow. uh, we have another big mill that's about to show up. So uh, it's and we actually have another twenty five thousand square feet. So we've we've expanded eighty five thousand square feet now. So it's it's been a a rough couple of years just trying to keep up, but staying humble and staying grounded, right? I mean, don't get me wrong, we're we're pretty self confident guys. We <laughs> <laughs> <But>, uh, <laughs> gotta be, uh, but, but 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 we really try to stay humble because we know so much of where we're trying to go and what we still have to learn and what we have to do to get there. And there's a, that's a really difficult job. Right. And so we're so far from where we want to be still that that keeps us very humble and keeps but us. That's, that's part of the, that's part of the, the, the puzzle there, not the puzzle, but that's part of the makeup. You know, you guys succeed and you're always worrying about what's next. Yeah. And uh, you're, you're great people along the way. So I just want to pat you on the back and thank you for, for being <laughs> that entity out there when there are others that are not. So <laughs> we appreciate it great. Well, it's been, it's, uh, put it this way, we like to work with people that we like. And so <laughs> it's no, it's no coincidence that, uh, you know, I've been on your podcast multiple times. So <laughs> so it goes back to you guys too. <laughs> you know, um, it's, what I was going to say about the company is, is like the wheel has been around for a minute and to be able to continue to innovate in that space isn't, doesn't seem that easy, but thinking about things like different materials and not just designs, I, anybody could come up with a teddy bear wheel, but, uh, but, but just different designs, like different materials, different thoughts on how to increase the performance being a lighter weight, stronger wheel, truck wheel. Yeah. I think that's, a, that is, that is, an interesting thing for us. It's not, Hey, we just need to pump out more styles. Um, that's not innovative for us. Um, when we do do new styles, we're tending to even then evolve what we're doing in terms of the complexity and stuff like that you know, on the design side and on the manufacturing side, we're still even trying to derive that, but that's, that's gotten pretty mature, right? So we're kind of flat on that curve. And so now, um, we really are having to change the manufacturing methodology, the design methodology, the materials, the, everything. If we're going to go to that next level, if we're going to level up. Then that's where the 3D printing comes in. That's where the composites come in, right? That's that's the stuff that's going to uh, keep us on the forefront in terms of innovation. And, and unfortunately, you know, HRE is a small company. We only have 
45 people or something like that. We're not, you know, I don't have massive, massive budgets. And so everything that we do is, is kind of has to be homegrown and organic and, and, it, and it is a challenge for us, but it's just what we believe in. And so it's what we continue. To it's, it's just what, and well, I'll be honest, getting up and slinging wheels that doesn't, you know, that doesn't get me out of bed in the morning. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you guys do it every day. You know, like that's not my thing, you know. And that's why you see us pushing, pushing the envelope and trying to be uh, as innovative as possible, even though we're a small company. Because it's what it's what it's what inspires us, right? And so we want to inspire ourselves and inspire everyone else. So that's, that's you know, it, it's easy to see HRE as a wheel company, but I always really kind of thought of it as a design and engineering company. Has there been much thought into expanding into different other product lines? I, and when I say that, I don't even necessarily mean automotive. Maybe there's something else. You know, uh, it doesn't even need to be transportation. It doesn't need to be motorcycle airlines. But like, yeah. is there something else that has kind of caught your attention? Um. There's all kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're looking around the room, looking at everybody going, what are we allowed to say? What can we say? Obviously, I have the interests that extend beyond cars. I'm a, <laughs> in, in, in motorcycles and in the airplanes. And uh, so aviation and, and motorcycles also are the natural progression for HRE. But the reality is often what we're capable of um, on the engineering and, and manufacturing side does not necessarily coincide with what we're where we're familiar with the sales and marketing side. And so just because we can make a motorcycle wheel or an aviation product doesn't necessarily mean we know how to sell that. And so we're setting ourselves up to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. And, um, you know, HRE's expanded into uh, mil military um, contracts. And so we, we do have some things like that, which we think will open up uh, additional non-wheel business for us as well. Uh, especially once we have additive manufacturing in-house, uh, we think, oh, well, you know, it's, it's the technology will I'll open up considerable opportunities that are beyond wheels. But wheels are still near and dear to our heart. <laughs> so we will always. Yeah, sure but I, I, I know you guys, you've got a creative itch and you've got to scratch it because you can't just, you know, you've got to be able to evolve not just as a company, but as people, like you always kind of have to be challenged. And, uh, I, you know, I'm always excited to hear about what you guys are doing and always enjoy talking with you guys. Um, it's always a, an educational process for me to be able to to have that conversation. So uh, love you guys. Thanks for what you're doing over there. And, uh, and of course, all the support for, for us and this show. Uh, yeah, look, yeah. Look forward to our. Uh, we are going to launch our carbon wheel here soon. Okay. So coming and um, and also we're we're having our open house again finally after two years. So uh, um, so that's happening in, on June eighteenth. So we're really excited about that. We've got a lot to show people this year. And, and people great. interested in, in HRE wheels, you have several product lines: the monoblock, the three piece. Uh, you know uh, what. What should people know at this point? Uh, of course, HREwheels.com is where you want to go. Also, any of the HRE dealers through their network. Um, any like uh, little thoughts on maybe lead time or what to expect or uh, you guys are, are, are going. Listen, well, I, I, people can order wheels, but good luck getting tires. <laughs> well, and, yeah, actually, especially ultra high performance tires. are the, yeah. the, That space has been really challenging um, for sure. So getting those Michelin products for and stuff is really difficult. Um, it actually, and for us, lead times for the last couple of years were astronomical. It was, like I said, we, we went from nine CNC machines to, to 20 just to try and keep up. And we still weren't, still were not able to keep up or setting record production numbers and, and falling behind. Uh, things are starting to finally change. And so one piece and our two piece are back down to, I think we're probably in the 46, six week range. I think we're still close to six to eight just to be safe. But okay. three piece wheels are still way out because three piece have a lot more things that are external to us that we can't control. And so our three piece production is still quite can't good. control yet. A little bit of it. <laughs> 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 yeah, we are, we are, yeah, we are trying to solve some issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, all right. Uh, Alan, uh, always a pleasure. And uh, if, and if, 
Patrick and the crew are still floating around your office, probably writing notes on little boards going, don't say this, go ahead and say that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> and uh, thanks, to, thanks to those guys. It's HREwheels.com is the website. HRE underscore wheels is their social media. Check them out on Instagram and Twitter. Definitely follow them on Instagram. They have an incredible uh, uh, social media uh, site up there. Um, I, not only are the wheels gorgeous, but every photo they seem to take, and even if they Photoshop something, you'll never notice the difference because they're that good. Those guys are that good. Uh, appreciate all of it. Um, yeah, of course, you can follow me at Motorator on social media and Goldberg. He's Goldberg95 and Goldberg's Garage on Instagram. And uh, yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Is there anything we're missing? Any any last thoughts, Alan? No, I'm, no. It's just always a pleasure to be with you guys. Always. How about you, Bill? I'm, Goldberg, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sad you moved to Texas. I hope I know it's good for you out there, but we miss you. <laughs> well, thank you, Bill. I'm, I'm going to miss that open house. Although, you know, let's see if I can make it out the 18th. That'd be kind of cool to come back. But uh, yeah, give my best to everybody out there. And everybody out there, also make sure DodgeGarage.com. We're unveiling the winner, Hemi Day 426 of the Chief Donut Maker Competition. Excellent. Uh, the the HRE open house for those of you in Southern California that want to go, uh, where is that information? Is it on your social media? It's on the website? Yeah, it's on both. Yeah, It's on both. All right, yeah. check that out. And, so hopefully, it sounds like open house sounds like a really small thing. It's hundreds of it's not. dozens of people. <laughs> <laughs> get there early to get your parking spot. I, I, I was there a couple of years ago. I don't even know when because I don't know what year it is anymore, but... Uh, it's it's a huge event, and I'm looking forward to a huge blowout this year as well. All right, guys, thank you so much. We'll wrap things up. Until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Would you love to save money on insurance? Of course. Who doesn't love a good deal? Well, when it comes to great rates on insurance for everything, GEICO can help. Insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, RV, even homeowners, condo, and renters coverage. Save even more with a special discount when you bundle coverages. Plus, add the easy-to-use GEICO mobile app and 24-hour roadside assistance, and the switch to GEICO becomes a no-brainer. Switch today and see how you can save. Simply go to geico.com to get a rate quote or contact your local agent.